Welcome. This is Bleacher Blums, a sports podcast for baseball fans. Now here's Dave Tuttle and the Astros' master of banter, Blummer. Here we are. Bleachers are open. It is Bleacher Blums. I am your co-host, Jeff Blum. I'm joined with David Tuttle, as you can see. And this being Masters Week, big major coming up. We've all been looking forward to this. I am severely disappointed that I will not be there, but we will be talking about golf plenty, uh, talking about this Masters uh, 2020 style. And we brought in, obviously, John Adams, our looper. But the most important thing about this podcast right now is that you know that we are brought to you by World's Strongest Man CBD, hence the gun show. Sorry, couldn't resist. But uh, if you go to WSMCBD.com, you'll find plenty of products that are farm to shelf. A group of people have revolutionized how they have extracted the CBD from that plant and are bringing you the highest quality uh, material that they can because they want you to perform They want you to recover and they want you to focus. So make sure you go to WSMCBD.com and check out their salves, lotions, tinctures, gel caps. Find a way to make yourself better and become that elite athlete that we know you are. The only CBD company I know of that actually is focused primarily on the athlete. So we appreciate WSMCBD.com. And this is Veterans Day. And this is something near and dear to the Bleacher Blums podcast is is everybody who goes out there and puts themselves in harm's way. And this being Veterans Day, we want to thank all of those who have served, currently serving, obviously, but those that have served and allowed us the opportunity to come on here and make this podcast happen in this country that we hold so dear to us, being free to do what we want, say what we want, and hang out with whoever we want. So I will pass it around a little bit so we can give a little bit of love to those veterans out there that we dedicate so much of this podcast to. Thanks, Blummer. Um, I was just going to say we did a CrossFit workout today, Veterans Day, of course. They're always uh, uh, oh, deep you, you into the- You don't have to do the, the Murph uh, again, do you? No, we didn't do Murph today. We actually did a, a workout um, for an organization that's tied with Seal Fit, a guy named Mark Devine, if you ever read the book, Seal Fit down here in uh, Coronado. But uh, he's tied to a, a, a group called Inter- Integrative Recovery, which basically provides therapy and rehab for uh, veterans of our, of our military police and fire and he does it at no cost so there's a fundraiser today workout and uh and it was three parts so you had you know 10 minutes of you know certain amount of exercises for the military you get a four minute rest 10 minutes for the police and then you get a four minute rest and 10 minutes for the fire so really um again you know you don't always need something like that to bring uh, your attention to it but uh as we've talked about on this podcast extensively it's uh, near and dear to our heart and I have other ties to it, obviously, when I go out and uh, jump on a jump on a workout at my gym. And uh, this morning was certainly brought to my attention and we're super thankful. And, uh, you know, we appreciate everything that the veterans have done for us and uh, allow us to do this podcast in this uh, great free land. Johnny. Yeah, I did. I skipped my uh, CrossFit workout this morning, actually. <laughs> yeah, that, my back me, was and, me and me tight. and John Adams right uh, here. Yeah, yeah. So. Um, actually, this one's for my father. So, 90-year-old uh, vet, actually from uh, he was in, he was on the USS Midway, which is down in uh, the San Diego the, on the aircraft carrier just after the Korean War. So, uh, yeah, he's uh, you know dealing with some dementia, and and but uh, this one's for him. So, 
And for all you vets, thank you very much for everything you've done. So uh, we'll get on on from there. But uh, yeah, this one's for Pops. So yep, That's outstanding. That makes it that much more special. So I appreciate that, Johnny, bringing that up. Uh, that's one thing I did not know about you or your family. So that's yeah. awesome to hear about. Thanks. And uh, of course, John Adams at the bottom there, our looper, the guy who uh, caddies us through these, these golf podcasts that we have. But uh, some interesting news. I know that uh, I want to talk baseball real quick. And I know John's got some insight into this. Uh, but there's a couple of things, and if you, I've I've had to be real delicate about it. But I think in 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 the last couple of shows, I think you've really gotten the idea that the hiring of Tony Larusa originally before the news came out this week, uh, Tuttle and I felt was a bad call uh, for various reasons. We outlined it, but Tuttle, you've been a little more a little more outgoing in your displeasure with this. How did this week's news enhance? your feelings of Tony La Russa. You know, without piling on, it's really funny you say that because it's one thing to say, um, you know, my instincts tell me this, or, you know, I don't like the guy personally, so I don't think it was a good hire. I think we talked about some of the, the baseball strategy, right? You know, you're hiring a dinosaur into kind of a modern day game, how much you have analytics and all that. But again, you and I may have some insight into uh, clubhouse behaviors and teammates and players that have played under him. And I think that's kind of what led to what we said. But I think, you know, a leopard doesn't change his spots. And to hear the fact that Tony La Russa, yeah, who we knew got a DUI and had kind of the same kind of response in Jupiter when he got it in Florida, uh, maybe 15, 20 years ago. Um, you know, my favorite line, I was going to save this for later, but give me a break. Hey, like, have do him do a quick, quick impression, like, a quick impression of do you, who, do who's you know at the who intersection of, of US1 and that was, hey, that was Jupiter. Name? Tuesday. That was, yeah. That's, that's Tuesday made an appearance. Yes. That's a great story. Great. Anyways, they pulled me? over, they pulled over LaRusa and he dropped the what? Oh, yes. Oh, you're talking to me. I'm sorry. Yeah. The ring. Yeah. I want like, you to do finish you know your story. Yeah. No, he, the do you know who I am? Like, does everybody love that? The general public loves to hear that too. GP. Like, GP. no, no. Do you know, do you know who I am? Can you see my hand as I'm talking? Like, World Series rings? The guy, the police officer, the transcript I read was like, what did you say? Like, not like, do you know who I am? What did you say? But like, like, what are you Is just throwing out there? Like, do you know? Who I am? Yeah, I know who you are. You're a drunk sleeping on the side <laughs> of the road with your, with your front wheel up on the curb. He's like, oh no, my car broke down. Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Whatever. Yeah. Anyway. So again, not piling on. I mean, I think there's some humor in there, but we kind of knew what kind of guy he was. A leopard doesn't change his spots. And this news isn't really that shocking. But I think the piece that will be interesting uh, as we watch Jerry Reinsdorf kind of bucked all trends. We talked about Rick Hans, like say in the hiring or not, but I don't know if this changes Jerry Reinsdorf's opinion or not, but it'll be really interesting to see because we know how that uh, social media like hailstorm uh, can, can hit you. So it'll be really interesting to see if he holds this job. And if uh, when spring training starts, Tony LaRusse is the, the captain. I don't know your thoughts. Yeah. You know, what, what, what I don't get about the whole deal is, is 
how these owners and these general managers are hiring these older guys. Like, I don't get it. Right. Isn't it a new wave of how, how baseball teams are thinking and, you know, with the analytics and, and I know that Larusa might've been a little bit into the analytics, you know, back in his day and maybe might be the start of it all. But, you know, I just think that if you're going to continue to, to go down these roads, like, I don't know, is it because of a dusty Baker that came back and, and he's on the older side and, and he actually took a team that was in the dumps when it came down to, um, you know, what was being said about him. And he actually, you know, guided them into the playoffs and, and had a little run, but, you know, I'm just sitting there going, you know, don't you want to hire guys that are learning under these teams now that are, you know, bench coaches or, or whatever to hire them into, you know, that role that they deserve to go into because they put their time into it and they've, they've studied the whole analytics thing. And, you know, I, I don't know, but I just, I just don't, I don't see the hire. I didn't understand it from the get go, you know, let the guy go off into his pasture, let him go be a behind the scenes guy. Like he was with the angels and stuff like mm -hmm. that. Really? What are you going to get out of this? Like, I, I don't understand it. And if he brings back the old white Sox knickers, look, I'm, I'm done. <laughs> the, the collared shirts and the shorts and the, right, and the fun yeah, stuff like yeah. that. Yeah. That might be the only thing that actually might redeem what is actually trying to go but on. I I don't understand the whole, the higher there. So. But Johnny, you actually bring up a really, really interesting point that I didn't even think about. Did the hiring of Dusty Baker actually shine a light on the fact that you can bring some of these guys back and have them function in this new analytic baseball that we are watching? Because I think what we saw in the World Series with Dave Roberts, Kevin Cash, uh, even throughout the playoffs, because you had Tingler down in San Diego, an analytic guy, uh, you know, uh, uh, oh man, I was trying to name somebody else in there, but AJ Hinch gets hired. He's an analytic guy. Alex Cora gets his job back and he's an analytic guy, but you have these guys who kind of, you know, maybe said, ah, I can adjust. And maybe that's what they're hoping with, with Tony La Russa. But at the same time, you know, Chicago's tough, man. I mean, that is a major media market where you can get crushed. And I just don't see where, where he, what, what, what would be the upside of having a guy like Tony La Russa? If you took all of the baggage away he, he's won a couple of world champion world series championships. Yes. But he's always had teams where I feel like, and he's managed a lot, you know, imagine the American league won that world series with the Oakland A's went to the national league and won it there. But I mean, I don't, I don't know where that value comes in. And it's kind of surprising to me too, the, to see that, you know, a player has already come out and said, I'm not going to play for that guy. And, you know, it's Marcus Stroman. And maybe that's what led to him not becoming a free agent and taking his qualifying offers because he didn't want to go to a place like Chicago. Yeah. You know, and, that, and that's the other thing is that I understand the hire. If it's a, maybe a one to two year deal, you've got somebody underneath him. That's going to be your bench coach or he's yeah, going to be, him. you know, a, and groom them to where, you know, you can gain the respect from the players. One uh, you can work with him on the whole analytic side, but then get a veteran feel on how you're going to run the, run the squad. But um you know, I don't know. I, I don't know what the press is saying now. I mean, I don't know if they're just, it's under investigation to, you know, if they're going to let him go. Did they let, I don't know if they're going to let him go or what's going on there, but I, yeah. I just, you know. We'll, we'll see what happens with that. But I guess my point, and, and, and Blummer and I talked about this and maybe you didn't catch it, catch it last time, but yeah. basically the, you know, we've talked about this from the beginning of the podcast, right? You have the marrying of the analytics kind of crowd with, your eyeball test, right? You know which guys can play and which guys can't. You know, Johnny Hustle and Charlie Hustle and this guy, and I like this guy in my lineup, and he's scrappy. And so you do have those guys. I mean, you know, you wouldn't say 
uh, Dave Roberts is all analytics. I mean, he played the game, he understands it. And so you have to marry that. The thing is, and maybe this we see more in football, is, you know, yes, Tony LaRusse has done it, but how recently has he done that? And I think, you know, the game has evolved and changed. And, you know, they, Tim Anderson had to come out and say, yeah, I'm going to still do my bat flip. I'm going to do this. I mean, this shouldn't even be a conversation. But yeah. I think fundamentally, yeah, you're right. That's right. Fundamentally, the bigger issue, and Blummer and I touched on this last time, and, and John, I think you would agree, fundamentally is the um, not about whether you're going to play with this guy or whether he has a handle on the clubhouse. It's, it's the strategic kind of um, understanding of, of the way baseball is played now versus the way it was done back then. And I just think you, you just can't have a guy in there that you don't trust and a guy that's just going to say, hey, throw your gloves and shoes out on the field and, uh, and deal, with, deal with it. Sure. I mean, it just doesn't work that way. And so he's been out of touch. And I think he proved again he was out of touch. And it's unfortunate yeah. that Jerry Reinsdorf um, kind of jumped the shark, for lack of a better word, and hired him. And, and this is the, kind of the key point is Rick Hahn, um, I'm not sure about the president, Kenny Williams, if he was involved in this decision. But if Jerry Reinsdorf made this decision, similar to the way Artie Moreno got holes in mm -hmm. and didn't consult everybody along the hierarchy, then you already have created a fractured kind yeah, of relationship down. and a fractured dynamic. And I think that is going to be the biggest issue. And so we'll have to see if he makes it through. Yeah. And I, and I think common, maybe common sense says they wait and see if he gets convicted of this thing because he just got arrested on or whatever it is. So maybe they wait to see what the outcome is, if they can wash it away and just keep him on staff. I think the bigger concern is if he does get arrested or has to serve jail time, because it's Arizona is no joke on their DUIs, man. And, oh, uh, it was in Arizona. It wasn't in Chicago. Sorry. No, it was in yeah. Arizona. Yeah, oh, that's, that's what I not think. good. I think that makes that it worse. That is not good. Yeah. That is not good. Yeah. Hey, I was I was in Arizona. The reason I got to broad I got into broadcasting is because in 2012, Mark Grace got popped twice and had to go to that uh, Joe Arapaio, you know, boot yep. camp chain gang thing with the pink outfits. Arizona does not mess around. No, they don't. And so, so if, if La Russa has to serve time or do anything in that sense where he gets convicted of the situation and you have to cut ties with them, what do you do then? Do you go back and re-interview guys? But you've already lost the two top candidates in Alex Cora and AJ I was going to say, uh, we want to hire AJ Hinch. Oh, we missed out. Oh, we want to hire uh, – oh, sorry. Those guys yeah. are off the mark. Because it kind of There we go. <laughs> yeah, Ozzy Gant. Bring back Ozzy. Let's go. Ozzy Gant. I mean, that is outstanding. Yeah, no, that's a great hey. point. I thought you guys were speaking from experience with uh, DUIs in Arizona, but I'm glad to hear that it was. Oh uh, yeah, Mark Mark Grace that gave you the opportunity. They've, they've to, thrown uh, more CEOs. In the, they've 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 thrown more CEOs into jail there. Uh, <laughs> downtown North Scott or downtown Scottsdale is like yeah. They'll just they just have a van. They just keep chucking them in. You know, <laughs> when it's full, they take it in and just come back. Yeah. So. Yeah, but either way, baseball is changing and it's going to that analytic world, but uh, you're still seeing some guys hanging around. But think, speaking of change, it is November. Yes. And it yeah. is time. Not April, it's November. <laughs> That's the biggest thing, and it blows my mind. I was out there last week at the Houston Open having a great time, and I'm thinking to myself, it's November, yet next week is the Masters, and it's so hard to wrap your head around because if you're, if you're a fan of sports, no matter what it is, if you if you'll watch an NHL game at any given time, a soccer game, golf, baseball, basketball, football, you're sitting there going, wait, wait, the Masters is coming on and their baseball season isn't going on yet. Because that was one of the things is it, it kind of coincided with the beginning of spring and the beginning of summer. 
And here we are in November. And I think it's going to play into some of the things that John's going to talk about as far as grass is going to be a little bit different. Uh, the conditions are going to be a little bit different, maybe with some cooler, wet weather. We'll get into that a little bit. But uh, Johnny, our looper, our man on the spot who knows everything about every golfer that is out there and digs on the numbers, gave us a fine, again, a fine list of topics to talk about. But I just want to let you open this thing up because I actually, I want to ask you something. How, how and why has the Masters become what it is nowadays? It is that it is, we have found the unicorn in golf and it is the Masters. Well, first of all, I want to ask you, what was the toughest name to announce on the 10th hole? Oh, man. <laughs> I got to see if I can do it again. So I, ha I had, so Davi Vanderwalt is spelled D-A-W-I-E. Didn't right. know it was Davi. Yeah. So from, I can't, re I can't remember the place the guy's from, but it was Jin, Jin Zhong <laughs> from, chi from China, I think. From Japan. I couldn't, man. He, I, I literally practice that. So, you know, what's funny about, I, so I was the starter on the 10th tee. They gave me official scorecards and I had a list of names and where they're from. And my job was to hand out the scorecards. So just so everybody, yeah, yeah. everybody at home knows you don't hand the guys their scorecard. They're keeping score for other guys in the group. And then, I, and then when they come to the box and I have to keep like, you know, world time on this thing, they are like to the second when they tee this thing off. So every 10 minutes they were going and I was keeping an eye on my watch and then I would go and let these guys go. But man, dude, yeah, I, so I was on the golf channel when Mickelson and Dustin Johnson and Jason uh, Day yeah. were teeing off. So they were actually, I saw that with, with the mask on and I had to scream. I felt like I was like just yelling at everybody. I felt terrible, but you know, it sounded good. <laughs> yeah, I did. No, you did a great job. Yeah, I appreciate that. But, you know, as nerve-wracking as that was, because there was actually like five, 600 people around these guys. But, dude, when my – one of my pet peeves in the booth is get the guy's name right. Because right. I'm, oh, a yeah. G, I'm a G off Bloom, so I'm like, you know, <laughs> right. say Jeff Blum. And, you know, we all can't be John Adams, you know, nice right. and simple. Yeah, 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 basic Joe. Yeah, Joe Smith, hey. John Adams, one of the forefathers of our country and easy right. to yeah. pronounce. Yeah, yeah. yes. You just wish there was a four ball of Bob Smith, Jack Jones, John <laughs> Exactly. Adams. That's what I'm hoping for. Give me some look. Yeah. <laughs> so here comes, you know, Jin, Jin Jung Song, you know, Zhang, and I'm going, uh, Jin Jung Zhang. You know, I was, man, I felt so bad. Dude, there's yeah, a, that the was the reason I say this. Like, thank God you're not doing the, the Masters because there's a guy playing called Jazz Janawanatanan. I don't know yes. where he's from. <laughs> Dude, you know who I am so glad did not play in the Houston Open? Afa, Afa Barnrat. Oh, yeah, yeah, right, yeah. He's great, though. Do you he know I have, I, have a nick, I have a nickname for him? Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah. It's Apple Barn Fart. <laughs> See, that would have came out better. I mean, the, the crowd yeah. would have loved that. But that's what I was like, this guy's going to show up, and I'm going to go, now Now on the tee, <laughs> Apple Barn Fart. What? <laughs> that's my nickname at home for him. Sorry. <laughs> Uh, sorry, sorry to get off topic. I just want to say congratulations. Oh, you did a great job. And I was just wondering. Thank you. you that know, was a blast. I knew that you were going to run into some issues there. And and uh, so I just didn't know. But um, did Mickelson, the Masters, sorry, John. Sorry, I Dave, would just say, ahead. did Mickelson say, please, it's pronounced Michelson? No, I'm kidding. Yeah. Mickelson. Mickelson. <laughs> anyway, sorry, Johnny. Tell you us about say, the Masters. You know, he's like Madonna. You can say, Phil. And then like, let him go. Yeah, he would have teed off. Yeah, that's so true. 
so getting getting back to like you know what what's the you know the masters itself right it's it's like like they say like it it's 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 their it's their own deal it's it's yeah. the masters it's you know jeff you've been there you've felt the aura you you know Literally. what it's all about right and yep. and and so you know you know what's what's great about what i'm hearing is that it's it's such a special place that the feeling in april is still the feeling in november right uh it's like no other right they they say um so it, it's well, I just get busted by Jim Nance, who is a University of Houston Cougar. If I say a tradition unlike any other, do right. I have to I trademark mean, can, that? Yeah, it's, yeah. no, no, I, I don't I think, think he holds that, right? Okay. But, um, you know, it's 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 a place where you know they they are the this the leaders of they can push needles, they can they can make changes, they have that kind of power to do that over, over, um, and, 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 you know, it's coming to a point, I know that we'll probably talk about it a little bit later, but this golf ball mm -hmm. is, is an issue. And what they see going on with DeChambeau, you know, is something that, you know, it raises their eyebrows. And, and I've heard that in April, the RNA and the USGA will be coming out for something, not for 21, but it possibly might be for 22, but they're going to come out and say, look, we've been doing a lot of this research and, and this is what we're, you know, that's why, that's why Augusta is buying more land around their golf course. So they can actually, but there are certain spots like 15 that you can't go back. Right. Cause you're going to go into another fairway. Right. So, you know, places like 13, you can go back, but you know, it's, it's, it's something that really needs to be recognized. Now, I don't know if they have enough power to go and say, look at, here's your golf ball for this week. I, I, I don't know if that's. Oh, wow. Just go with like a deflated range ball. Right. No, they would go, they would knock the golf ball back to actually play the golf course the way they want it to be played. Right. It's their mm -hmm. golf tournament. You know, they make the calls on the advertisements. Wow. They make the calls on, you know, with apparel and, and, and everything. It's their call. Like if they say no, the people go, okay. You know, all right, yeah, but you know, Wimbledon, Wimbledon's one of the places where you still have to wear your your What's tennis that? whites. Wimbledon, you still have to wear your tennis whites. You don't yeah. see all the colored outfits, so they do have some sort of cachet. My thought was, how does this translate into other sports? Like, could you imagine, like, all right, in this stadium, we're going to move the fences back to 500 feet. You guys can take steroids, and we're going to use cork bats <laughs> and like, you know, I mean. Like to your point, it would be really yeah. a unique thing to have different equipment at each course and different. I mean, already the landscape, the weather, the pitfalls, you know, things like that. Hey, we have a lot of water on this course. I just think, I mean, if if what you're saying is true, I mean, the Masters may have more cachet and more clout than than any of us or no any doubt. not any of us because you brought up the point, but that I ever thought. No, but to Johnny's point, I think that the reason, you know, this is such a special tournament because it is so coveted and cherished is because, and, and again, either of you correct me if I'm wrong, but they have created almost an isolated state, you know, and I know that, uh, that when they created this tournament, there was a reason it was called the Masters because they wanted the best of the best. They wanted Masters of the game to go out there and compete on the highest level on the best course. But, you know, in, in what John's saying about the marketing, I can attest to the fact that when you go in there, I think 47 and 47 is really the only company I've seen another logo on a pair on a, on a piece of merchandise. 
everything that you go in there is going to have you pull up the tag and you look on the inside of the shirt it's got the master's logo uh, yeah. Everything on the front is the same master's logo that they own the rights to every mug, every cup, everything. And then you go into the concessions and they have individually wrapped and made sandwiches, you know, yeah. pimento cheese, the egg salad sandwich, the uh, ham on rye, uh, you know, is all in packaging and sealed with guess what? The master's logo right. Yep. stamped right on top bag of potato chips, master's logo. Every Coca-Cola is Coca-Cola is the only one, right? You can I think so that has but it's actually on the tap. That and the beer companies are the only two like the other labels that you actually see are the only other two labels you see. Yeah. But, you know, to, to that point, man, where where was I going with that whole thing is this I think that's what makes it appealing and I think that's what makes it unappealing. But John, they limit how many guys they've allowed to play in this tournament, don't they? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and, That's the and other now, and, and now what you're seeing, uh, and yeah, there's, there's only like, uh, you know, past champions, right. And then mm -hmm. champions that have won, uh, prior, um, the year prior. And then I think they've increased their amateurs now to like six, maybe I think something yeah, I was like looking that. through that. I think it's, it's, yeah, almost, so, it's gotta be um, up to six. Yeah. So it's the U.S. U.S. amateur, U.S. amateur runner up, um, South American amateur championship, Asian amateur championship, mid amateur I think it's like five or six that they allow. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, you know, I could go off on a whole nother thing where there was a pass ages ago when I played in the mid am, uh, in Tennessee at the honors course, the guy that built that was the very first distributor of Coca-Cola and he was at Augusta national and he wanted to have every 10 years, the U S amateur at Augusta national. And he got shut down every single year. Like, no, we bring in only the best amateurs to join the pros, blah, 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 blah. Well, he got so mad. He went up and bought this land in Tennessee, had this great golf course and signed like a, a thousand year agreement that there's no professional tournaments ever to be played on this golf course only amateurs because he was such a big amateur fan but oh, wow. that's the kind of stuff that you know but you know getting into the kind of like what's happening this week because i know that you guys we could talk for two hours um but the lee elder situation i think is a great thing uh, allowing lee elder to come on board um african-american great golfer um who's going to help i think it's next year in 2021 he'll hit the first tee shot with jack nicholas and i just think it's you know it's another step in augusta nationals you know um um book to you know allow you know uh, authentic uh, ethnic people to become members to um to women to become members now to adding an African-American to hit the teeth. So it's just another step uh, in, in, in making everything right. Um, I don't think they were ever pressured to do this. I think it's just something that they decided to do. And, and I think it's just great for the game. You know, what we're trying to do is grow the game. And, and uh, I thought it was a great gesture by the Augusta National Golf Club to do this. And uh, I can't wait to see, see him do that next year. So. It's a great oh. gesture, but it is 2021 by that time or 2022. Like, you know, yeah. the, we're moving a little slow down there. Yeah, well, they true. always oh, have been, but that's kind of the exclusivity though, right? I mean, but I mean, yes. that was brought up in the press conference. Why did it take so long, right? Well, the it's, problem is you had this, this, these core champions that were just there, right? Mm -hmm. Arnold, Jack, Gary. And, yeah. and then what happens is poor Arnold passes away and now you got Gary and Gary's not doing so hot, you know, and he, he's 80 something now. And so it's just another addition, but I agree with you, Dave, like why, why didn't, when Arnie passed away, why didn't Lee come right into that spot? You know, uh, again, you could probably lay up six or seven guys up on that, on that, yeah. you know, but you know, when is Ben Crenshaw going to get added, you know, somebody like that. 
you know so you know it's just he, uh because he's still playing <laughs> yeah i know he's done he's done but a guy like you know you can see down the road a guy like nick faldo going into that spot yeah. right it's just it's just it's a just a, a fine line on, on and but again it goes down to a guess a national we'll make the decision when we want to make decisions it's autonomous like yeah and that's There's been their no answer one. too they're just like we, we weren't ready we're going to do it now yeah yeah so um um, but it's been interesting. But there's other things like no par three tournament this year, which is a bummer. Today would be a great, you know, yep. it's a great afternoon where the guys just kind of chill and relax. Um, it probably wouldn't have happened anyways, due to the fact that, you know, it's going to rain this afternoon there. Um, mm -hmm. it's, it's a big, it's really kind of a weird thing. But you look at it, right. The, uh, the masters is, is the last major of the year. And in five months, the masters is again back here in April. So that's, that's just a whole it's crazy. So the two, they're going to have back-to-back -back majors are going to be the masters. Now, again, we don't know that still, right? What's going <laughs> to happen is, is, is now the, is Augusta now going to, the masters going to move again to November again, if this goes off the way they want it to go because of at in April time, there's, we're not through the whole COVID thing. Like it's just, these guys are, you know, they're juggling, right? They're figuring it all oh, out. Every, it every sports franchise. Yeah, everybody the masters is. The Masters, so. Um, so well, the, the people who hurt the most from that, I mean, are the fans. The, guy, the exactly. people who actually, you know, and, and speaking of this being the unicorn and being exclusive and getting down there, they limit how many people, patrons can actually come into this thing. And I mean, there's people that this is on, like literally a bucket list item to go out there and buy a 1500 plus dollar ticket and go watch these guys play on some hallowed ground because as beautiful as you see it on TV, it is that much more magnificent when you right. step on the course right. because the beauty is even more eye-popping as far as, you know, the, the surroundings and the environment. And then you add the, the elevation changes. I can't even begin to describe what, how, how drastic some of these oh, elevation yeah. changes yeah. are. And the roars, right? The roars are gigantic, oh. right? You're not going to hear any roars unless... You know, you got some drunk patron out there that's a member just screaming. But I mean, and you then know, they take you, their ticket you know, and send them home. You can feel that it gets down in there by, you know, 13 to 16 and it just kind of just flows around. And, and, um, but yeah, I mean, Jeff, you've experienced it, but that's going to be quite interesting also that there's not going to be any roars, you know. Um, yeah. And, and so the other thing too is they're going to do split tees. Yeah. Right. So that's another thing because of daylight, right? They want to have it in April. They don't want to have it in November, right? So if you notice, I, I even put in there, it's going to go to split tees. They're going to mm -hmm. cut to 50 in ties. The 10 shot rule is out. Like, so all that kind of stuff is actually going to be really new to the players. Like these guys are so used to hitting it at one and finish on 18. And now yeah. they're going to have to hit it off at 10 and you're going to have to strategize. Strategy, yeah say okay i'm starting here this is where i need to be a whatever like it's going to be quite interesting so and balls that would be hitting into patrons are going to go all the way into the trees you know so okay yeah they got to play like us now man when right. my ball i got no patrons and knock down my bad shots i mean that yeah. helps no, you know what's funny <laughs> i mean it sounds kind of comical but when i read that i thought i'm like going john's right because these these fairways are lined with people it's not like every 150 yards there's a group i mean it is lined yeah and especially out in those landing areas you know i remember uh, i think it was it was hole number one where you got to carry the ravine and then it's a yeah. little bit of a dog leg right 
and guys would hammer through the fairway or they'd hook it and it'd end up in the, but dude, people would get smoked in the ribs and the thigh ball would yeah. drop now. And you know, and you, everybody has seen how many trees are out there. They are going to be playing like us because right. it's going to skate through there. They're going to be in pine needles and figure out how do they, how do I shoot this through these trees, man? Yeah. It, it, it's going to be quite interesting. And then, you know, what's going to be really weird is the shot from 12 green back to mm -hmm. 12 T box. And there's going to be nobody on that Hill. Yeah. Other, other, it's, you a know, the, it's a, it's a, it's an environmental like amphitheater. Right. right. Exactly. There'd be five, 6,000 people on just the berm itself. And if they do have that shot from like the 13th tee box behind the 12th green, it's going to be the most bizarre thing to see those guys out there just I, yeah. by themselves. And I, I actually think because there's going to be no patrons, I think you're going to see camera angles that you've never seen before. I think the, yeah. I think uh, CBS is going to get uh, get uh, unique and show you shots that you would never see before because there's a group, there's grandstands there, or there's people there that they can't go through the crowd. So I have a feeling that you're going to see some angles where you're going to go, where the hell is that guy? Oh, oh, he's hitting, you know, this sure. way. But so that's going to be in the, and then obviously the sight lines for the players. That's what I was right? just going to ask you because the, the bleachers aren't going to be yeah, there, right? Faded off of that, that grandstand there. Well, there's no grandstand. So they're going to have to pick trees and that kind of stuff. So that's, that's unique for them also, but. Yeah. And you talked about the weather being wet and you put a note in there and it's kind of funny because you look at the course as far as how dry is it going to be? How wet is it going to be? Are there going to be low lying areas? They're going to be a little soppy or, you know, which part of the green is going to, going to catch the ball a little bit better. And you put in there that they've completely demolished this place. What about six or seven years ago? I feel like. Well, they have sub air, right? They can suck yeah. the water around. Right. So yeah. especially the greens, right? So they can, so if you notice there was, some pictures even in the practice rounds where you saw a little bit of brown in the greens because they're sucking the water out of it because they know it's coming this afternoon all the oh. way through thursday but what they can continue to do is constantly keep sucking the water out of the golf course because friday saturday sunday is supposed to be like 70 degrees and and no and no rain so they can actually kind of go after it that way um the one thing that's going to be quite unique is thursday Thursday is going to be the wettest day. So uh, starting about three o'clock, which is probably about right now, it's raining over there and it's going to rain all the way through Thursday. The key thing is I don't think Augusta national will allow the, the rules to be changed to ball in hand. Okay. So what's going to happen is the golf course is going to play long, really long mm -hmm. guys. That the guys that can carry high, the DeChambeau's, the John Roms, these kind of guys that hit uh, Thomas, Justin Thomas, he hit guys have uh, high balls. They have the possibility now of getting some mud balls. So balls could be, you know, so there's going to be some things on how do you handle Thursday, right? It's supposed to be wet and it's supposed to be, you know, it could get muddy and stuff like that. So how do you handle Thursday? If you can get through Thursday with a really good round, I think Friday, Saturday, Sunday is going to be fine because they're going to be able to suck the, suck the water out of the golf course uh, day by day. It's going to get faster it's going to get firmer. And, um, you know, the one thing that kind of could be unique with tomorrow is depending on the amount of rainfall that comes in with split tees with not a lot of light, do they get pushed off to playing more holes on Friday because they can't get the full round in because maybe they've had to take them off the golf course or something like that. 
So and and based on your scoring thought right there, that gives some guys an advantage if they played 12 holes, let's say, or 13 holes on Thursday when it was wet, whereas a bunch of guys finished 18, you get five or six holes on Friday and then jump into your next round. Those are scoring holes on a day where it's drier, obviously. And so that's an advantage. I saw in your notes that you said Bryson was saying that this is like a, a par 67, the way it's going to play. But when we start adding, I know his distance and he's crazy, but you start adding, as you said, no patrons, sight lines, some weather on Thursday. I wonder if he is sincere in that thought or if he's just strictly oh, yeah. talking about distance because. No. I think the, I think the other, the, the curveball uh, other than dealing with the wet on Thursday is the wind will be different from all four days. So that was, oh, so Tuesday and Saturday are supposed to have the east wind, right? So if they, they figured out what they were doing on Tuesday, they can actually put those numbers towards Saturday. Thursday is going to be different. Friday is going to be different. Saturday will be like Tuesday. Sunday will be different. So now you have wind swirling, but you also have it coming from four different directions. So that's, it's, it's not going to be, hey, what we hit in here on Thursday? Well, yeah, we hit this on Thursday, but the wind was coming from the east you know, or the Southwest or whatever. So that's going to be a new thing is how these caddies and players, you know, deal with the wind in all four directions. So, because maybe this hole was downwind today and two days later it's into the wind. So that's, you know, that's going to be another feature that they're going to have to bring into their, you know, their plan. So. All right. We're talking about DeChambeau. What in the hell is going on with this guy? You mentioned that the golf ball is changing and, and it's explosive, but that's for all players. You sit, I don't know if you have that uh, information available, but you sent us a text of a picture of some of the distances he's hitting. And granted, these are under perfect conditions, and it didn't make any sense to me having been to that course and trying to figure out how in God's name is he going to hit it over this tree. And if he's hitting it to the upslope on number nine, that's, you know, that's, you know, the downslope is at about 350 yards and then it funnels down there to the ninth green. But, uh, you know, explain to me, and then the 48 inch shaft on his driver, I didn't even know yeah, that was I, illegal. I don't, I don't think the 48 inch driver is going to come out due to the fact that he's never competed with that shaft before. How right? do you control that? Well, I mean, you, well, it's a lot of work on the ranges, right. To get it all down and then take it out of the golf course. But I don't see him doing it due to the fact that he's never competed with it one. And this is too prestigious of a tournament to try to test something. Right. Yeah. So I think he hits the ball far enough with the driver that he has, but so I think that's <laughs> going to be, think? yeah. So that's, that's going to be, uh, I don't think it's, I think it was something that he wanted to test to see mm -hmm. if he could deal with it, but I just don't think he's, he'd rather go take that onto a golf course like Torrey Pines where he has like more room for error and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So what they said, it was a funny thing. They're like, you know, Zach Johnson was the only one to win the masters by hitting wedges into all the par fives. Well, guess what? Bryson might be the same guy, but he's hitting it in for their se his second shot where Zach Johnson was <laughs> hitting it in for his third shot. So, but I mean, again, these are, these are, these are pre rain, you know, where, yep. where it's going to get softer. Right. But he's, they're saying that he's hitting sand wedges into one and eight irons into two. And he flew the green on three with a three wood. And, you know, like the, the par fives are between seven iron and nine irons and wedge. And, and, you know, it's just, it, it's just the carries are absolutely crazy, but I got to throw something at you guys. Right. It's all about Bryson and how he thinks the golf course is a par 67 
and now he's going to hit nine irons and eight irons into these par fives and and all this kind of stuff he's never been in the top 20 ever in this tournament he's played it three years he's never been in the really? top 20. not even the top 20 20 he's been between 20 and 30th all the time okay so why is that because back in the day remember he wasn't hitting it like he's doing it right now right mm -hmm. so what he's done to change his game right and and bring in another 60 yards into his into his you know his driver right he's now and the way that he hits his golf ball which is right to left is perfect for the golf course jeff you know this okay yeah. dave and i've never been there you're sitting on 13 <clears throat> tee box do you know what his strategy is on 13 the I'm scared to ask because I've seen the, I've seen the this strategy play out. is not to take it over the trees and try to hook it down there to where he has pitching wedge in, right? Yeah. His strategy is hit, hit it over the trees and hit it into the 14th fairway because that's a better angle to come into that green. That's the create. That's so. If you notice, Tiger and <laughs> Phil, Tiger and Phil are playing practice rounds with this guy now because he has dissected the golf course down and they want to pick his brain. And he, they've got so much stature in the game that he's willing to just give it back to him, right, as much as he mm -hmm. wants to. But that's what he does. Every major, he is actually breaking down the book, and he's breaking it down to where he can be aggressive and where he can. And that's just Bastard. crazy that he's thinking about hitting it into the 14th hole because that's a better angle to come into those green at green. But before Sorry, before Dan, you jump ahead. in, before you jump in, Tuttle, the reason and, and think about this, John. You just talked about the grandstands not being there. Right. If he launches into the uh, into the 14th fairway, he doesn't have to worry about those bleachers. They're just behind the 13th green and right next to the 14th tee. Exactly. All of a sudden, he has a little more of an open area to go after it, and it takes it's a little. It, all you have to do is clear Ray's Creek, and you're on. Well, that's the other thing is 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 his in his angle, right? His line that he takes. His if he pulls be... it a little left and he pushes it a little right, he's still okay. Yep. So go ahead, Dave. Sorry, Dave. No, 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 it's totally fine. I mean, you've been there and you've seen it. What I was going to say is that I think it's funny because we kind of, I don't know if we counted him out the last tournament, but we basically said, well, Bryson's never done it. Uh, we'll see what he does. And he wins that by, you know, six, seven strokes going Good away. Point. I think that, you know, he's certainly matured in his game. The other thing is tit for tat, right? Tiger and Phil want to play with him, but they're getting, you know, up in years. And they're, so he can, he's going to get as much information from them as he'll give, you know, I mean, it, it's kind of one of those exactly. things. It's nice that scratch my back, I'll scratch realm. yours. Yep, exactly. That's right, because Good now point. he's in this realm and maybe they view him as the up and comer. He's not just, you know, they're not just like picking his brain. They're, they're, they want to certainly see how he views the game and where the game's going with this young up and comer. But man, if he can get some of the mentality and course knowledge from guys like Phil and Tiger, that's going to serve him well as he, you know, starts to mature and change the game. And I just think, I mean, you talked about the ball and the equipment and all that. Maybe it will change, but it's still unique when somebody like that, everybody has access to the same equipment right now. You know, I mean, when they had the belly putter, guys were doing it somewhere, some weren't. I mean, whatever floats your boat or, um, you know, makes, makes your game the best it can be. But everyone has access to the same stuff Bryson does right now. And he's still above and beyond with this, with this style. And I'm really... I guess he sold me on the last tournament, the last major, that I just really feel like um, that he, he can really do some damage on this course. Uh, well, and, and you bring your great point, and now it's coming out of Tiger's mouth, right? In the, mid, in the early 90s, right? In the mid-90s, there is these veterans that are saying Tiger Woods has changed the game, right? And now you have Tiger, tiger saying, proofing. Tiger saying <laughs> you, 
DeChambeau is starting to change the game, mm-hmm. right? And mm-hmm. and that is just, you know, good for you. I mean, who in their right mind takes, what, six weeks, seven weeks, eight weeks? I don't know what it was that they were off because of COVID, right? He studies what the long drive guys are doing. And he's studying what the straightest driver guys are doing. And he's mirroring them together. That's crazy. Nobody's ever thought about that, right? That is absolutely insane. And and, Grant, and you got to give it to him. Everything yeah. that he wins, he deserves because he's yep. put everything when it comes to preparation and 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 dealing with his body and everything. You got to give it to the guy. I mean, it's it's crazy, but you know what? I don't. I don't. It's not a surprise. I don't. I don't begrudge him, and it's not a surprise. And people will ask this, and I know Blummer gets asked this question all the time. Like, what do you think, like, sets big leaguers apart, right? Even all-stars, like, tip of the spear. And when you see guys that throw 98 that can't find the strike zone, you see a ton of those guys, dime a dozen. And then you see guys like, you know, bulldog guys. He throws 88, and he's kind of a scrapper guy, and he gets guys out doing this and that, obviously speaking from a pitching perspective. The guys that change the game and the guys that are perennial all-stars are guys that do both. I throw 98, and I can dot it over here and, you know, you know, run it in on this guy and locate. I mean, that's what you're saying. Bryson looked at long drive guys. He looked at straight, straight drive guys, but he also was able to marry the two and implement it. You know, he worked hard enough to implement it. And I think that's what makes him um, unique and certainly uh, a game changer. And, and he will be the one that is watched most because we hear of all of these staggering numbers he's throwing out there. But I want to get into some of the players and who we think is going to win this thing and uh, who, who it's, who it, who it fits best. This podcast will come out on Friday evening. So we will be well into the masters tournament and maybe we get blown up early by the time this thing comes out. But Johnny, in your best estimation, uh, do you want to go first or you want to go last? Cause you're kind of the expert in this group. <laughs> Why don't you guys uh, actually, you guys go first, actually. All right. So I, we kind of, we, we have a little bit of a bet going with Johnny Adams. Cause he sent out, you know, different tiers of guys and pick one guy from each tier and then what our final final score will be. But I just want to go through the list of names that I picked and maybe a couple of reasons why, and then we'll get to Tuttle before we get to our, our looper, uh, John Adams. But uh, I had Dustin Johnson as my tier one. I love the way he played just recently at the Houston Open and he was swinging out. We didn't even talk about the grass, Johnny, the Bermuda grass yeah. is going yeah. to be a little bit different. It could be a little sticky around the green. So I think it's going to be, it's tougher. It's going to be tougher to chip because that Bermudas gets a little sticky, right? So, and that's the other thing is one thing we didn't bring up with the weather and with the grass, with the Bermuda not being totally out, you could see a lot of chunk shots this week. You could see, you could see the ball being chunked from the fairway to the point where you can see guys chunking their little kind of pitch shots around the green because the club will get caught. And, and so that, that good point there. And then actually, when you brought that up, it was really interesting to me because Houston Open had some Bermuda grass around the greens also, and Dustin Johnson chipped incredibly well, and we know how long he is, so he's going to have to use that asset. But DJ is my first. I think Brooks Kepka is an interesting story because in the Houston Open, like John was saying about DeChambeau experimenting with a driver, the first two rounds of the Houston Open, Brooks Kepka toyed around with a new driver did not like it at all, went to his old driver, and all of a sudden he hit every fairway in regulation and things, yeah. and he jumps up the leaderboard. So that's a big factor for him. And also playing, I think, the week previously and putting on these greens that were at the Houston Open where everybody was bitching and moaning about how fast they were. 
is going to help these guys a little bit maybe with their speed and touch around the greens at the Masters who are typically very quick, have a lot of undulation, and now we know they can suck the water out of these greens to make them as fast as they want. Right. Uh, next, I've got Scotty Scheffler, and that might be just because he's a Dallas That's guy. A homer. That's a homer call. Yeah, he's a Dallas guy who's played well, and I got to meet him, and he seemed like a great dude. He played well here, so that's all, that's all only thing I've got on that. Uh, Jason Day is intriguing to me just because he played well recently and he's healthy. Uh, I feel like he hasn't been healthy for a good year or two, and if he's healthy, and I also listen to the way these guys give some of their interviews too. The way they speak about the tournament tells you the value they have in it, and Jason Day is one of those guys too. Ricky Fowler I put on there just because, for God's sakes, Rick, Win, yeah. win something, man. Yeah. That's all I want. And then I'm going to ask Joe Scavra on his caddy to come on our yeah. podcast after that. <laughs> oh, great. Yeah, he'd love to be on it. Joe drink. Hey, I, you're like, I best. picked him to win, so come on our podcast. That'd yeah, exactly. And, and it came to fruition, so why don't you come on? And then uh, my last guy is Brant Snedeker, and it's just because I like his pace of play. He's kind of like us, where he just steps up, smashes it, and plays it wherever it lies. Uh, Tuttle, what do you got? Yeah, I'll go through my six. It's funny. I, I, I picked I picked DJ most tournaments and uh, I like his length. And as you mentioned, uh, I wasn't aware of the Bermuda grass stuff, but he played really well this last week in Houston. But I'm going to take Bryson. I, I counted him out the last two or three times. I mean, I think that's a that's an easy call. I mean, he's the favorite, I'm assuming, and or, you know, one of the top five favorites. Um, I'm going to go with the former winner, Patrick Reed, in my next tier. I think, you know, that guy just I, I picked him last time we had this discussion. And after thir the third day, he was actually on the leaderboard, even the top two. So I, I just feel like the Masters set, uh, always sets up well. His mentality is good. He's the Houston he Astros of golf. That's right. He ostracizes everybody, pisses everybody <laughs> off. He bangs on garbage cans. But then he goes out there and he does his job. Um, this this next pick is uh, Kuchar. And, you know, Kuchar hasn't won, but I just, you know, I Kucher falls into the Fred Couples category for me. I mean, we had to pick six guys and we take our top four. I almost put Fred Couples on this list. I know he's not in this tier, but it's like that guy makes the cut every year. He's two under <laughs> after the third day. He's in the top Georgia 10. Tech, you're like, Georgia Tech boy. Georgia Tech boy. Yeah, that's right. He played there enough yeah. too, right? Yeah, being in the in the state. But he, yeah. I just, you know, Matt Kucher is kind of that guy for me. He's been around. He's experienced. He knows what's going on. He's not going to get rattled by much. Um, maybe, you know, some of the things that John brought up, like sight lines, things like that may cause a little difference because he's played there enough, but I like Kucher in that spot. I picked Jason Day also simply because of what you said. Uh, he played really well at Houston. He's healthy. He was, you know, he was number one in the world for a while. I mean, he's a, he's yeah. one of the top golfers and he's, you know, he's kind of fallen down a little bit. Um, my favorite putter, uh, st stoic face. I got Henrik Stenson. I don't know how he's ever no history in the masters that I know, but I just love watching that guy play. I like the way he plays. He's determined. And then I, I put Zach Johnson on my list. I was torn between oh. Fred couples and Zach Johnson. Yeah. You know, you mentioned he and Bryson may go down as the only two guys to hit wedges <laughs> into the greens. Obviously there's an extra stroke in there. And, and when Zach Johnson won, it was very wet. Yeah, Ooh. there you go. Zach Johnson. Yeah. We know he's not a long hitter, but man, I, every tournament Darts. I watch, um, he's in, I mean, he's in, especially the majors. He takes them seriously. He's a, you know, a two-time winner in the majors and he just, he's just kind of a grinder. I mean, he's a grinder and the masters, yeah. I, I put him, Fred couples, Kucher kind of all in the same category. They're not long hitters, but I mean, typically when I watch the game, when I watch the masters on Saturday, one, two, or all three of those guys are in the top 15 every time. And I'm like, all right, those guys are, those guys are my guys. So John, give us some enlightenment. Who you got? Who's really going to win? <laughs> well, let me tell you, I, 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 uh, I see you there, Jeff. 
uh, with DJ. I mean, he's playing really good. Um, at the very beginning, I didn't think it was going to be because he had to take that lull away from uh, with the COVID situation. Mm -hmm. But him coming back at, and playing really well on the weekend um, did uh, did actually, you know, sell me on on he could win this thing. But I didn't take him. Um, I like John Rom. I, I actually think John Rom's been playing consistently there. He's he's uh, he's just he's a big high ball hitter. He's just I, I just think he's it's his time. Um, if I go to tier two, uh, I like, uh, Hideki Matsuyama. Dude, he played good in Houston. I was torn between him and Kepka, so, man. That's a uh, great call. He was uh, chipping Hideki, his brains out. Hideki in 15, here, I got some stats. In 15, he was in the top five, um, in 18, I, I, he always plays well there. He's just played consistently there and he played good in Houston. So, I like that. I like that little kind of a little sleeper there. Um, Justin Rose, I took. Um, he hasn't played too much, but um, he's uh, strokes strokes gained uh, in a, by approach. He's very very good at uh, Augusta. So I, I you know I don't know if he's going to win, but I could see him maybe in a top five there. Um, Jason Day, uh, I'm with you guys. He's wow, playing really okay. good. He's healthy. I, I like the way he's playing golf right now. Um, and then uh, I took Ricky. Uh, Ricky's, uh, you know, I again in that tier there. I, I like him. Um, um, but then, yeah, exactly. But my tier six, you know, which you have a ton of people to choose from, right? I took a man by the name of Jordan Spieth. Mm, now him again. being in the sixth tier, he uh, has a green no. jacket. He, he has two, on my list to take. Or he's, yeah, he plays very for some apparent horses for courses, right? He just plays well there. And again, yeah. it's all about his driver. If he can drive the ball there, well, he's going to, because he can chip and putt, right? There's no problem about that, right? Yeah, his approach is He knows great, how man. to win there, and he just knows how to deal with it. So if he can be strong here, right, I think he could be a contender. So that's kind of like a, Hideki and Jordan are kind of like my sleepers, even though Jordan's a past champion. So that's uh, that's the kind of way I see it going. So that's what I did. So man, I, um, I like the Hideki call. Yeah. Yep. yeah. So what uh, was your stat for Hideki, or was it the the next tier? So he just plays. I, I looked at it from 2015 to 2019, and he just plays very consistent there. He's he's always in like the top ten. So what was your stat for Justin Rose then? What was the stat that you Jordan, so Justin Rose here? I'll, I'll, I'll give you a stat. Um, uh. Well, no, you threw out a stat. Stroke, I was just saying, gain, I, I got to know this for the next time. I got to know what stroke, stats to look at. by so. approach leaders, right? Your approach in the strokes gained by approach. Oh, I thought Jordan you were talking Spieth. about his OPS. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> OPS plus, something like that. Yeah, so strokes gained approach leaders. Uh, Jordan Spieth in 2015, he won. Danny Willett in 2016, won. Justin Rose in 2017, came in second. Jordan Spieth in 2018 came in third, and Tiger Woods in 2019, and he won. So oh, look at, look at, check out Rain Man down there, just throwing numbers Blumber. around, man. Yeah. All of a sudden, Blumber. we've got a beautiful Tony mind Lu here. Yeah. What are you, Tony Larusa? Blumber's like <laughs> yeah. analytics. I don't need any uh, analytics. I just, <laughs> yeah. uh -huh. I just like he your, that's, a, that's a stat. That's eagle. <laughs> I, I never even heard yeah, of that. Hold on, let me, I'll be right, I'll be right back with you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let me get in the jar. <laughs> yeah. 
All right. So we all we all have somebody. Uh, well, I guess we all have somebody different in the top yeah. tier. So I, I got Bryson. He's got DJ, and you've got um. Uh, who's your guy, John? Um, uh, I have John First. Rom. Oh yeah, Rom. Oh, yeah. There you go. So Rom, Bryson, and DJ. That's that's a good group of guys, and and we all have former winners in there. So I think exactly. we're uh, I think we're looking good. We're looking good for the weekend, and I'm looking forward to this. John, right, boys, you are the best. We appreciate you coming on. I, I don't know. You got it. We'll have to have an executive meeting at Bleacher Blums, but maybe we have you on a little more frequently to be our looper and just correct us and make sure that we're we're, we're saying the appropriate things. I, I, I can be your looper, and then when we want to talk baseball, I'll be a little bat boy. Yep, there you go. Because you know what? I mean, we're going to have to talk about free agency in the American League West because I have a strong go. feeling that Tyler Bauer is going to be an angel. You mean Trevor Bauer? Oh, that guy, yeah. yeah, uh, yeah Trevor. Trevor Bauer. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I just hope Madden can deal with him. I don't know, but I don't want them to spend that kind of money. He's wanting a lot of money, and I don't think he deserves that kind yeah. of money. You know, yeah. so. But I, as long as they spend the money on pitching, I'm fine. Like True. they have enough offense. Like just spend it on. They can go get a, another shortstop. There's other shortstops out there if Simmons doesn't oh, want to yeah. come back. But, but if as long as you you get me two legitimate starters and a closer, I'm okay. Yeah, at least we know where your passion lies. It's definitely with the Angels, and it's definitely with uh, golf. We appreciate having you on there. As, oh, as and you I'm going to show you something. Okay. Hard, right? That's, that's over here. This is... What are you doing up there? Yeah, Arnold Palmer. It's Masters Week. He took me 20 no bucks way. for uh, helping out with this clinic. And I always told myself, if I had to break that thing, I was, uh, I'm in deep need of some help. Dang, yeah. <laughs> crack crack case when in, in emergency. <laughs> that's pretty that cool. had it. The fact that you haven't had to crack it speaks volumes, Johnny. That's, yep. good, that's good stuff. <laughs> exactly. well, shoot. Congratulations for being on our podcast and enhancing it. Also, congratulations on the new job. And we appreciate having Thank you, you on, yeah. man. We'll be talking to you soon, I'll all right? Rage, yeah. yeah, you Go got home. it, buddy. Take yep. us home. Finish it yeah, off. Yeah, happy, better, happy Veterans Day, everybody. We know it's Masters Week, so yep. we encourage you more than ever, get after it and believe it.